Well, you know it's a good day of worship when you're already drenched in sweat, you know. That's when you know it's a good day. So there's something that happens. There's something that takes place in life. And for many of us, we've experienced this. Maybe some of us are still searching. But there's something that happens. There's something that takes place in our lives. And for many of us, we've experienced this at different times in our lives, no matter the age. But we're just going to kind of use, and let's just uh, say this story is, is that we make Jesus Christ number one in our life. We come to know him. We have a relationship with him. We ask him to forgive us of our sins. And we start out and we start on fire and it's amazing. And he's number one. You can remember that day if you've experienced it and you're here today. And maybe today is your day. But there's something that happens. There's something that takes place. And let's just say for this story today, let's just say that we allow Jesus Christ to be number one in our life. Maybe when we were in high school and many of you are sitting here and maybe we just kind of become normal. And things that happen in normal life. So we're in high school and it's the number one thing in our life, Jesus Christ. We love him with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. And we're on fire. We're pumped. And it's the number one thing in our life. But then something happens. We start thinking about, and everyone asks us, maybe, when are you going to graduate? What year are you going to graduate? Once you you graduate, then where are you going to college? And after you go to college, what roommate are you going to pick? And then when you get a roommate... What, what, what degree are you going to get? And then after you get your degree, what, where are you going to work at? Okay, and then you got to get a job, fill out those applications. And then after you get that job, then where are you going to move to? Because it's important where you live. And then after you live somewhere, you got to make sure you find the right apartment. And then you got to make sure you find the right house. And then you meet somebody. Uh-oh. And then you got to meet their parents. And then you got to meet, so what's going on? And then you got to make sure you set a good example for them. Then something happens. You have kids then life really changes. And then you're like, okay, do they go to private school? Do they go to public school? Where do we live now? Schools are changing. Now what do we do? Do we have enough retirement? Do we know, oh, we're still paying off our school. Okay, great. Do we know what's going on in our lives? And then this keeps coming. And then next thing we know, our kids get old. And then as we go and our kids get older, and then they start moving out and guess what? Then they want to come back. (laughs) Good thing about Florida is we don't have basements, right? So then they want to come back, and then now we're still paying school for them. And it's like, Lord, when is this ever going to end? Because why? Because it's normal. We all are trying to do the same thing. We all are doing the same thing. And then that one true love, that one thing that we came to know Christ, and we were on fire for, and we were like, this is it. And then somewhere along the way, just because life gets normal, we just lost track of it. Maybe that message is not for you, but I know it's for me. And somewhere along the way, we can't ever find where we began and number one in our life because life just became normal. These next two weeks, I'm going to have the honor and privilege to speak God's word. So if no one comes back next week, we know why. <laughs> But these next two weeks, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak, and we're going to do a two-week series called Weird, because normal isn't working. Because normal isn't working. And today, we're going to look at a couple passages, and we're going to break this down verse by verse, and we're going to just focus on a few things. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38 through verse 42, maybe a very familiar a couple of verses for some of you. Maybe this is new and fresh for many others. But I want to talk about this, and I want to talk about as we get into this sermon, as we get into this 
whole series that we're going to do weird because normal isn't working. Thanks to my partner, James, up here. I appreciate you. I know you're a soccer player, but you did great at throwing those tennis balls. Good job, buddy. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. This is a powerful, powerful couple of verses, and I want you to get it. And like I said, if, it's not, if this message maybe isn't for you today, I can tell you it's definitely for me. Unfortunately, though, I've had to live with it for a couple weeks already. Starting in verse 38, God's word says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. This village was Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is important. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, man, this is bold. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Just bossing Jesus around. None of us have done that, right? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Dear Heavenly Father, may we focus on your word today. And may we do what Mary did and rest at your feet. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So many times what happens is, is normal people allow good things to become the enemy of the best things. Just in case, I want to make sure you get a couple of these things before we dig into this. Normal people allow good things to become the enemy of the best things. Martha was doing good, but too many good things overwhelmed the important things in life. All the things we mentioned in this little funny illustration are all good things. Maybe about some of you are like not about the kids moving back. But other than that, most of it was all good things. Martha was doing good, but too many good things overwhelmed the important things in life. And because we all want to be normal, we love to stay busy because why? It makes us feel important. That's what normal people think. So I'm asking you, Pathway Church, what if today, what if from this scripture, maybe today, and some of you are like, oh, Nate, I don't like that word. It's okay. But maybe today we get weird and stop trying to be normal like everybody else. Because if maybe it's just me, but I can tell you normal is not working. So the first one is this, as we break down these verses, we're going to start in just breaking down verses 38 through 40, and we'll jump back and forth a little bit. But here's the first point I want you to get today. Now, this is going to sting a little bit, and it stung me, but I want you to get this, and this is so good coming out of the scripture. Stop dragging others in to participate in your distractions. Woo! Oh, man, our seats like just got a little hot. Stop dragging others in to participate in your distractions. And we're going to break this down, talking about Mary and Martha in these verses of Scripture. The problem with Martha is not that she is busy serving and providing hospitality. 
certainly Jesus commends this kind of service. And if you read a little bit, and, and he wants us to do this to our neighbors many times, notably in the parable of the Good Samaritan that immediately precedes this story of Mary and Martha. The problem with Martha is not her serving, but rather that she is worried, distracted, and anxious. Maybe that sounds familiar for some of us. Martha's distraction and worry leave no room for the most important aspect of hospitality, gracious attention to the guest. How many times has Jesus showed up and been our guest, but yet we're worried, we're distracted, and we're anxious about all the other things, and we missed out on the guest. We missed out on the guest. In fact, she breaks all the rules of hospitality by trying to embarrass her sister in front of her guest and by asking her guest to inter intervene in a family dispute. Some of you are like, yeah, we just went through that 4th of July, family got together, picnic, there was all kinds of disputes, you know? Happens every time, right, when we get together. But listen to this. I love, I love this verse of Scripture. We break this down talking about this. Listen to this. She even goes as far as to accuse Jesus of not caring about her. Lord, do you not care about me? Does that sound familiar to anybody? I can't believe you would bless so-and-so. What about me? Lord, I've done everything you've asked. I've been so busy for you, Lord. I've done everything you've asked. Do you not care about me? <laughs> All right. Come on now. Come on. Because this is what happens. This is where we start to drag others in. We start to drag others in. And here's the thing. I love how she's saying she's not working as hard. She's got this, what's this thing called? That I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the world that we live in. I don't know if it's this area. It's social media age. But there's something that the enemy's done so well for us Christians, and that's to have a critical spirit. Oh, man. Man, I can't believe Nate's wearing those jeans. I'd never wear those jeans. That dude's crazy. He is weird. You know, I don't know. I'm just using jeans as an example. I'm just saying maybe you like them, maybe you don't. But here's the thing. We all of a sudden have this critical spirit because Why? Because here's the thing, we get so busy, so anxious, so distracted, we got to bring others down or tear others down because we feel like Jesus isn't doing what, he, what we want him to do for us. Come on now, nine o'clock, you're getting quiet on me. Do you not care about me? Jesus, look at everything I'm doing. Look at all the things I've done for you. But yet it seems like you're blessing so-and-so and you're blessing so-and-so. And then what happens is because we stop seeing maybe the blessings we have, we get that critical spirit. And we just start talking about other people for no reason. <laughs> it's amazing. The craziest things. We get a critical spirit about somebody that we don't even know. You're like, I don't even know him, but yeah, so-and-so said something about him, so it must be true, right? It's like the old game of telephone gossip. It's unreal. She goes as far as to accuse Jesus of not caring about her. Lord, do you not 
care? Pathway Church, if there's something I believe that the enemy, our adversary, has done for Pathway Church and maybe even years before I ever got here, I believe he's done something in this place to make sure we have this critical spirit. And it's almost like we can't get past it. I'm not saying it's not in other churches. I know it is. I know it's in other communities, but there's just something about it. And I'm just saying this, you better believe he cares. But here's the deal. So many of us are so busy thinking about we're an expert on this and an expert on that. We miss out on being in the presence of our guests. We miss out on the blessings because we're worried about everybody else. And we got this critical spirit. One person. Thank you. Because it stings, right? Martha's worry and distraction prevent her from being truly present with Jesus and cause her to drive a wedge between her sister and herself. And not only that, but between Jesus and herself, our critical spirit, that moment when we say, Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care about me? It drives a wedge in between you, whoever it is, and Jesus himself. And for many of us, just like Martha, she's missed out on the one thing that's needed for true hospitality. There is no greater hospitality than listening to your guest. How much more so when the guest is Jesus. So Jesus says that Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. I love Jesus' words to Martha. It may be seen as an invitation rather than a rebuke, but listen to this today. Maybe you're Martha here today. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. The one thing needed is for Martha to receive the gracious presence of Jesus to listen to his words. Listen to this Pathway Church today. If you are feeling, Jesus, do you not care about me? Look at everything I'm doing. I'm busy for you, Lord. I'm anxious. I'm distracted. I'm dragging other people's into my distraction. Listen to this and hang on to these promises. If you get nothing today, listen to this. But here's the deal. Listen to Jesus's words to know that she and you is valued not for what you or she does, or how well she does it, but for who she is and who you are as a child of God. We're going to get to this, but because of past hurts, because of maybe Jesus' people, and maybe even Jesus you feel like himself, do you not care about me and we never let go of those hurts and we never truly understand our value as a child of God. I wholeheartedly believe that. So today, Pathway Church, in a culture of hectic schedules and the relentless pursuit of productivity, we are tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are, by how much we accomplish or by how well we meet the expectation of others, right? This is what we live for, right? Or a high five or a, you know, maybe today the young kids fist bump or something, you know. That's what we live for, right? 
And it's caused us to be anxious. It's caused us to be distracted from our guest. And that guest being Jesus Christ himself. So for many of us today, we likely identify with Martha feeling pulled in different directions, feeling worried and distracted by many things. These seem to be common threads of our life and our fast-paced world. And yet Jesus says in Luke 12, 25 says this, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? We know that worrying does no good and that much of what we worry about is not important in the larger scheme of things. And yet we cannot seem to stop our anxious thoughts and our frantic activity because we're living for the wrong applause. Is it true that much of our busyness and distraction stems from the noblest of intentions? Yes. We want to provide for our families. We want to give our children every opportunity to enrich their lives. We want to serve our neighbors. And yes, we want to serve the Lord indeed. Where would the church be without its Marthas? Those faithful folks who perform the task of hospitality and service so vital to making a church a welcoming and well-functioning community. And yet if all these activities leave us with no time to be still in the Lord's presence and hear God's words, we are likely to end up anxious and troubled, we are likely to end up with a kind of service that is lacking of love and joy and resentful to others. I'm here, Lord. I don't know if you care about me, but do you see me? I'm serving today. I don't care. I don't care about what you say. I don't care about what you do. I'm just going to be anxious and mad and resentful for others. Here you go. Glad you're at church. Take this bulletin. Nobody's done that, right? Okay. No one wants to sign up to help these little runny-nosed brats in the nursery. Okay, see me, Lord. Here I am. I'll do it. And then we get in there, and that kid cries one time. We're like, oh, great. Now i got to deal with little Johnny again. That's not what he wants. Does he want people to serve? You better believe it. But what happens is there comes a point, it comes a time we get so busy, we get so anxious, we get so distracted, and we miss out on our guest. We miss out on our guest, we miss out on the opportunity to be at Jesus' feet, and we miss out on this opportunity. And many of us are like Martha, and we're running around, and we're just running frantic, and we don't know where to do, but we always say, Lord, do you not care about me? Look at everything I'm doing. Look at, look, look at me. This is something I thought it was just intriguing to me as I was studying may mean something to you. But both listening and doing, receiving God's word, and serving others are vital to the Christian life. I thought this was intriguing. Just as inhaling and exhaling are to breathing, yet how often do we forget to breathe in deep? Trying to serve without being nourished by God's word is like expecting good fruit to grow from a tree that has been uprooted. I think we all have good intentions, but then there comes that critical spirit. We sign up to serve, and we want to do what the Lord asks us to do. The next thing we know, we get that critical spirit, we get distracted, we get anxious, and we just start dragging people in. But not only dragging people in, we just start dragging people down. For no reason. 
And it comes from this critical spirit. It comes from this time and this moment where we've not rested at Jesus' feet. We've not sat in his presence. Maybe we've not read his word. Maybe we've not had that moment. And it comes to a time and a place where we get so anxious, so distracted, and we're just like, do you not care about me, Jesus? Because obviously it's all about me. <laughs> or so we think. We do know that Jesus invites all of us who are worried and distracted by many things to sit and rest in his presence, to hear his words of grace and truth, to know we are loved and valued as children of God, to be renewed in faith and strengthened for service. There is need of only one thing. Listen to this. Jesus said there's only need for one thing. Attention to our guest. As it turns out, though, our guest is also our host with abundant gifts to give. So we break this down. We're going to break down in verse 41. We'll go to the second point. I want you to get this. I need to keep rolling here. Very simple. These are very simple reminders. We're going to just talk about verse 41 for a little bit. Second point is this, cast your cares upon Jesus. Very simple reminder. Because we are dependent upon God, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. God says, I'll take care of the burden. Don't give it a thought. Leave it to me. Dependent children are not backward about asking for favors. They would not be normal, right? we got to be a little weird if they did not boldly make their needs known. God is keenly aware that we are dependent upon him for life's necessities. It was for that reason that he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Did you ever wonder if God really cares for you? When we doubt that God cares, we insult him. The disciples heaped a gross iniquity upon our Lord when they said in the midst of the storm, Master, don't you care that we perish? In Mark chapter 4, of course he cared. He had not said, let us set sail and be drowned. He didn't say that. Rather, he said these words in verse 35 in Mark chapter 4. He said, let us pass over unto the other side. The anxiety of the disciples showed that they were carrying the care instead of casting it on him. Let me read that one more time. The anxiety, the distractions of the disciples showed that they were carrying their care instead of casting it on him. I've said to you many times, I love worship, I love music, I love all that. Unfortunately, God never blessed me with any talent of singing or playing instruments or nothing like that so I just listen it's that way no one has to hear me I just listen you know so but I love songs and I love old hymns and many times I'll share a song or a hymn and but an old hymn that just always meant so much to me very simple four lines some of you may remember this I cast all my cares upon you I lay all my burdens down at your feet this is a powerful line. And anytime I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there? And anytime I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. Sometimes 
It's very simple lines in a song or an old hymn that means so much. I think there's times in my own life where I'm so anxious, I'm so distracted, I'm trying to catch all the things that normal life throws at me. And there's those times where I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And it's simple. Just cast your cares upon me. But yet we forget in the midst of all the craziness, all the chaos, and in our normal life. I love that hymn. Maybe that meant something to somebody, but something that as I was studying, it meant so much and I was listening to. I want us to think again about Martha. I was looking at verse 41, and we're going to touch base back at even verse 40. She was somewhat overanxious about temporal provisions. She became wrapped up in the affairs of this world. She said to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Of course we know that Jesus cared. But he was more concerned about Martha than she was for herself. And I want you to get this. We're going to talk about this for a minute. She was filled with sinful care, that anxiety that breeds self-pity. I want you to get that. She was filled with sinful care, that anxiety and that distraction that breeds self-pity. I talk a little bit about this, but things that we hang on to because we feel like Jesus has forgotten about us. Hurts from our past. Something we're like, Jesus, if you really cared, you wouldn't allow that to happen to me when I was a kid. You wouldn't allow that to happen to me in my marriage. You wouldn't allow that to happen to me with my kids. You wouldn't, you, the list can go on and on and on, right? And so that has this self-pity. What about me, Jesus? If you really cared, I've done everything you've asked. I've served everywhere. I've done everything. I even believe and feel that I've rested at your feet, and I feel like you still don't care about my needs, about my cares, about my anxious thoughts, about all my needs. And what does that do? That creates self-pity. And that's where we get back where it's like, oh, it's all about me. I want you to think about this with me for a little bit. Some of you are wondering, like, has he got an alligator in there? You better believe it. No, I'm just playing. So I want to show you guys something a little bit, what I'm talking about. We're going to get to this. All right, and that was it. No, I'm just <laughs> So I believe. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Somebody's awake. This is something that stuck with me. For many of us, this is how we look, right? When we come to church on Sunday. <laughs> we got all this stuff. Got all these things. But when we show up maybe on Sunday, we're like, you know what? I'm just going to push this one down just during service, just while Nate's preaching. I'm just going to push this little thing down, this self-pity, this anxious thought, this one little thing. I'm just going to push it down. Oh, great. Nate's done speaking. Okay, I'm good. For many of us, maybe it's like this. Oh, there's Pastor Nate. He's going to ask me how I'm doing. Oh, I'm doing fine. What would Jesus do? Let me put a smile on. Everything's great. And 
And for many of us, we got this self-pity and we got all these things, but maybe for a little bit on Sunday, because we don't want to rest at Jesus' feet. We don't want to cast our cares on him. We don't really want to know what he has for us. So we just keep pushing all this down. Things that we never dealt with from our childhood. Things we never dealt with in the last couple of years. Things we've never dealt with with our children. Things we never dealt with in our marriage. And we keep pushing them down. We're like, you know what? I'm just going to bury a couple. But guess what? You can bury it. You can bury it as deep as you think and as as you want, but guess what? It's going to rise up to the top and it's going to affect you. There's only one thing that's going to happen, and we're going to get to it in a minute. But many of us are like this. We're just going to push it down. I don't want to deal with it right now. Worship's going to be great. The sermon's going to be okay as long as Nate's speaking, but it's going to be okay. I'm just going to push it down, and as soon as I leave church, there we go. We'll raise it back up. And then your wife, your wife gets... Your wife gets not this person that pushes it down. Your wife gets when everything raises to the top. Your kids get because you've never dealt with it. And the self-pity and the hurts and the things that you're mad at Jesus. So you're mad at everybody else. And that's where that critical spirit comes from, right? So everybody gets this except for maybe Sunday morning church. You push it down just enough. But then everybody else gets everything that's floating on top that you've never dealt with. And you think you may have it buried. But unless you truly take care of it, it's going to keep rising up to the top. And you're saying, Nate, what in the world are you talking about? Here's what I want you to get. And I want you to think about this. We're going to get back to this in a minute. The Lord saw the disease that had fastened itself upon Martha's heart. Martha, Martha, he said, you are anxious and troubled about many things. In verse 41, Martha had many admirable qualities, but she lacked the one thing she needed most. It was the quality her sister Mary possessed when she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary had no worry because she had cast it all upon Jesus. Listen to this today. If you're sitting here, you got to know this today. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, these are powerful verses that go along with this. And you got to know this and understand this. And starting in verse 6, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore. At least us men, I know at times we have a hard time humbling ourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Listen to this. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Do you not think he loves hearing everybody's critical spirit and negativity and hearing people say, Jesus, do you not care about me? You better believe it. He's prowling around like a lion. Seeking someone to devour. He's coming after you. He's coming after you. You better believe it. But resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, listen to this, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's God's word. So you better believe that adversary that we have is real and true and maybe has caused some hurts in your life and you keep pushing them down. And then maybe you leave church and you're like, oh man, I got out of there. I survived. I can't believe they drug me there. And we keep pushing them down, but they keep rising to the top. 
when you got to take whatever it is, that self-pity, that criticism, and you got to get it out of there and you got to smash that thing and kill it. You can't just keep pushing it down and saying, oh, I'll get over it. I'll just get over it. I'll keep pushing it down. It'll go away eventually. And man, we could keep talking about thing after thing after thing. It's a kind of funny, silly illustration. But how true is it? We keep trying to push it all down. But until you get it out of there and you kill that sucker, whatever that thing is, it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your life. You better believe it's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your kids. It's going to affect your church. Mm. Come on now. And so what does our adversary do so well at? Because if he can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. He prowls around like a roaring lion. And if he can't make us bad, he'll make us so busy. Because if he makes us busy, we'll just keep pushing things down. And he'll know we never really take care of it. If he makes us busy enough, we don't have time to read God's word. We don't have time for our devotions. We don't have time to rest at Jesus' feet. Because he prowls around like a roaring lion and makes us busy. And when he makes us busy, he makes us anxious. He gets us distracted. And then we forget that we truly can cast our cares on Jesus. So beloved today, God has given us a remedy for the anxieties that arise from our trials. It is a distinctive characteristic of Christianity that the Lord Jesus Christ cares for those who put their trust in him. The Christian can bring all of their anxieties to the Savior, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Listen to this, Pathway Church. Not some of them, or many of them, or most of them, but today you got to know he cares about all of them. Amen? Amen. Amen. The third point is this, and we're almost done, I promise. It's a simple reminder. Verse 42, as we focus through these verses of Scripture, as we focus on this, verse 42. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. I want you to think about this story. Why was Mary listening at Jesus' feet and not hosting alongside Martha? Why was Mary in the presence of the Lord when her cultural upbringing demanded that she be helping? Listen to this. Mary truly took the first and greatest commandment to heart in the scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. It's like she just kept holding on to that number one tennis ball. And she never let go of it. But here's something I believe Mary did. She made a choice. She chose the good part. It is a choice she made sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word 
will not happen automatically. In fact, it will often be the last thing of many things that will come at you to crowd it out. It's not a one-time choice either. You will have to continually choose him day in and day out. Lots of good things, seemingly better things, but the best thing is always to be at Jesus' feet. It's time, Pathway Church, to get weird because normal is not working. There's going to be a lot of great things, a lot of better things come your way, but it's time for us to get weird because normal is not working. I'm not saying none of you don't read God's word, none of you spend time. That's not what I'm saying. But many of us can relate to these tennis balls. It's constant normal life. Things are constantly thrown our way. We can't catch what's coming at us. It's so much. It's so crazy. We don't know where we're going, coming or going. But listen to this. What about Martha? Martha appears to be a woman who valued serving. She seems to be a hardworking, thoughtful woman who believed maybe a hearty meal, clean clothes, and a tidy home were truly next to godliness. She was a good woman, a godly woman. Seeing Mary at the feet of the Lord did not, or seeing uh, what the feet of the Lord was not doing, what she expected of her, appears to have upset Martha, so she demanded Jesus intercede on her behalf. But here's what I want you to get. Listen to this about Martha. Jesus' response to Martha, to me, is surprising. He didn't tell Martha, you're right. Mary should be acting like a good host. He didn't tell Mary, woman, you should be about serving your Lord and not sitting around here listening to me. She, he, didn't, he didn't downgrade anybody, nothing like Listen to what Jesus told Martha. This is what I love about this in verse 42. You are worried and anxious, distracted, upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. She didn't do what was normal. She didn't do maybe what the culture in that time told her to do. She didn't do maybe what her family expectations were. She didn't do even what her sister was asking her to do. She didn't do what was normal. She got a little weird and said, I'm going to choose to focus on Jesus, the guest. Martha chose to do things for Jesus, but it wasn't what Jesus said was needed at this time, I want you to focus on this pathway church and get this. And I'm almost done. Mary sought to be in the presence of the Lord, and she did what the Lord said was needed, was better, and it would not be taken away. I believe truly this today. I want to read this to you. Mary knew and acted to focus on Jesus was the premise, and that's what she chose to do. Our world longs for the blessing of Christians who have a passion for Christ. Such Christians bring a breath of fresh divine air into an otherwise stale worldview. Regrettably, though, far too many believers who start out with a great passion, just like the tennis balls, for Christ at their conversion, end up having a stale and barren relationship with him. Saved, yes. Joyful, sometimes. Passionate, hardly. 
critical spirit? Yeah. Mad at Jesus because he didn't do what we wanted? Yeah. I'm saved though. Woo! Many of us do have good intentions. And we're like Martha. And we mean well. But because of maybe certain hurts or certain things that are in our life or certain reasons why this self-pity is built up in ourselves, because Jesus, what about me? What about me? There's a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Some of you may have read it. There's a quote in there. I just want to read this quote. And the worship team is going to come out and they're going to begin here in just a moment. It says this, God is far more interested in a love relationship with you than he is in what you can do for him. Because I think many of us think, if I don't do this, if I don't say this, if I don't step up, then God, God can't do what he needs to do. And that may be true in certain parts. But there's other times he just wants us to rest at his feet. This has been a tough message. I just want to be honest. Because I'll be as transparent as I can with you as we close. And next week's going to be tough too. But I've had to live this out and I don't know what it's meant to you. But um, I love to stay busy. I always have. And that's backfired on me many times. But I want to be as transparent and as transparent as I can be in this. But I can tell you, in the last few weeks, and I knew why God, I knew why God called me to do this message. Like I said, none of you probably, if none of you get anything out of this message today, I can tell you Nate has lived with it and I got to preach it again. Oh Lord, help us. This is the true story. And uh, at times I'm ashamed, but I, at the same time, just know that I'm human as well. But I can tell you, I felt like Martha. And I can tell you, I said those exact same words just a couple weeks ago. Jesus. Do you not care about me? I feel like I've been obedient as I can. And it just seemed like everything I was doing, <laughs> I was pushing this down. Every aspect of my life, I kept pushing this down. And there came to where something happened. It just came, it was in this moment, and I don't know if you've had these moments, hopefully you have, where I just was at Jesus' feet. And I came out really what was wrong. I was angry. I'm just going to be honest. I was angry at Jesus. <laughs> and because of that anger, it's like weird. Like I was impatient with people because I kept just pushing it down. And I was just like Martha. Martha like, Jesus, do you not care about me? Like, seriously, like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? Like, and I was so angry at God. I was just angry. 
Not like angry, like, like not, not that. It was angry out of self-pity, though. It was angry out of self-pity. Jesus, I've, I've been obedient. I've, I've done what you've asked me to do. You know, it's like in the background, it was like my little own violin and my self-pity, you know, like, ah, you know. And I'm just being as transparent as I can. And it may not mean anything to you, but I'm just saying I was angry. And I can tell you, I won't tell you, I was, I won't tell you where I was at, but I was in this moment. And I'm just literally weeping. And I kind of cry a lot. Anyhow, that's all right. Some of you are like, yeah, we know me, but... I was angry at God about something that happened years ago in my life. And I thought I took taken care of that, but it was like because I was angry in this moment and that self-pity, it's like the enemy used that and brought it back together. I was like, what is happening? You know, like what is happening in this moment? And truly, in that moment, I, I, I crushed it. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm a guy and a man. I, you know, I'm not, I, I just, it was just a thing. Like, I just crushed it. I'm weeping. I'm crying everywhere. And I'm sweating everywhere, which I sweat bad anyhow. But I'm sweating. I'm, and I'm just like, man, if anybody saw me, they'd probably take me to the hospital right now in this moment. But, but I just crushed it. And I can tell you today, feel so free at Jesus' feet. And I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know if you're angry. I've been there. I don't know if you're hurt. But in this moment today, this weird series, we got an 11 o'clock service. I know and understand that, and that's fine. The next two weeks in this response, I just want us to rest at Jesus' feet. So if there's something that you just keep pushing down, and you know because you've not basically trampled on it and killed it, it keeps rising up to the top. I'm not saying that maybe today is a day where it ends. Maybe it's a, a journey. But many of us are probably even like Martha right now. We're already worried about what we got to do after this and where we got to be and what's happening this week. And we're all guilty, right? But what would it look like for Pathway Church and as we got weird and for what's happening for Pathway Church in the next couple weeks? We'll talk more about that next week. What would it look like if we just rest at his feet and we were like, Mary, what an example. And we just said, Jesus, I want to do the one thing. I want to do the one thing and hear from you. And I just want to rest in your presence. I want to rest in your feet. And I want to see what it is you have for me. Is there anything I got to take care of? I want to take care of it. What can I do for my marriage? What can I do for my kids? What can I do for my church? That the reason I can't do any of those things is because I'm holding on to something 
And the adversary, the devil that prowls around like a roaring lion, man, I'm a good person. If he can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Many of us are distracted, we're anxious. Many of us have so many things going on in our lives. Then that becomes self-pity and that self-pity becomes anger. Maybe for some of you, I'm just telling you me, all right? Because I can tell you, I started feeling that self-pity and I turned to anger. We're trying to catch all these tennis balls and we lost track of him. I don't know where the number one tennis ball is anymore. We just lost track of him. We're going to sing a song and I've asked uh, Pastor Randy and the worship team and JT and the team filling in today. I'm so thankful. I've asked them the next two weeks, we're going to sing the same song at the end. It's going to be kind of our battle cry. It's going to be our battle cry for these next two weeks. And as God then is going to take us into a, a whole new season. But I believe God truly is calling, calling us to be weird. Because obviously, obviously normal is not working. Obviously. You guys, I told you about my own thing and my own story. And this song, a very simple song, just kind of like that old hymn. It's a song that I'm not going to sing it, but I'll just kind of say it's a very simple thing. And I want this to be our battle cry the next two weeks. And I just, I would just ask as the Holy Spirit moves, if you want to come and pray and be at one of these altars, pray up here, just watch out for the tennis balls. So pray, pray anywhere, pray at your seat, that's fine. But this was my battle cry, my moment. And so I said, okay, Lord, if that's where you're taking me, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with my brothers and sisters. It's a powerful song with very simple lyrics. And it just says this. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. When I'm surrounded. When I'm surrounded with self-pity. When I'm surrounded with anxious thoughts, when I'm surrounded with the anger, when I'm surrounded by the hurt, I know I'm surrounded by you. Yeah, amen. Because when we rest at his feet, we say, please take my hurt, take my self-pity, take my anxious thoughts, there's a battle raging and the adversary and the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, but I know that I'm surrounded by you, Jesus. Oh, man. If you don't get a little excited about that, I don't know what will, but I'm telling you today, what would Pathway Church look like if today is the day that you said, this is the battle that I've been fighting. It's done. It's over. I'm laying it down. And I know I'm surrounded by you, Jesus. And I rest at your feet. I rest in your presence in the name of Jesus. So Pathway Church, let's stand. Let's see what it is as a church. But maybe as an individual, maybe as a, a married couple, maybe as a family, we said, this is our battle cry. This is what we're going to do, no matter what the distractions, no matter what the anxious thoughts are, no matter what's happening 
happening in our life. We're going to know that there's battles, but we know we might be surrounded, but we know we're surrounded by you. Today is your day. Claim it today and rest at the feet of Jesus. If you need to pray today, Lord, I pray for Pathway Church. I pray for whatever marriage is here today. I pray for whatever individual is here today that needs to come and say, Lord, I need to rest at your feet because I'm so distracted. I'm so anxious. Self-pity is coming to my life. I have a critical spirit in my life. I have anger in my life. I have hurts in my life that I've not killed, that I've not dealt with, and they keep rising up to the top. Whatever it is, Lord, in this battle cry today, may we know and claim this is how we fight our battle because we're surrounded and we're at your feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. This is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Sing that again, church. This is how I fight.
Hopefully they can come here. I'm just saying, don't leave here. Don't leave here. Sorry, JT, I know I'm messing you up. That's all right. Just don't leave here. We're going to sing this song. I know some people already, they got to leave. They're like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. That's fine. But listen, don't leave here. We got a few more minutes. This could be your opportunity. This could be your chance. Don't leave here today. Let's sing this song. Come on, church. Let's go. want to rest at your feet.
You want to be just a little weird because obviously normal is not working. All the distractions, the anxious, the busyness, self-pity, maybe the hurts, critical spirit, whatever it may be. Allow us just to maybe be weird to some to just rest at your feet. Lord, be with us. Let, allow this not to just be a moment. But allow this to be a movement. A movement for Pathway Church. A movement for our marriages. A movement for our kids. A movement for our families. A movement to show people what it looks like to rest at your feet and to be in your presence. We ask that we hang on to those truths today. The one thing that matters is to be in your presence. To know this is how we're gonna fight our battles. It may seem like we're surrounded by the adversary, but we know that you are surrounding us like never before. We pray for that surrounding love, grace, and mercy and truth today. We pray that in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Bless you as you go this week.